Hi, I'm Rachel Dillon, and together with my husband, Marcus Dillon, we lead Who's Really the Boss podcast, where we highlight the joys and challenges of running a business with your spouse or family. Our mission is to strengthen families and businesses by helping listeners avoid the mistakes we have made so they can lead and live happily ever after. Welcome back to another episode of Who's Really the Boss podcast. Hey, thanks for having me back. We are approaching Christmas very quickly. What are you asking for for Christmas this year? Oh, man. Um, This is going to sound corny, but just our family being in the same place, like that is going to be the best. Are you going to (laughs) cry? I, I thought know. you were going to literally say like a new watch band or something ridiculous. Oh, that's that's not even Christmas. That's just a Tuesday, <laughs> you know, exactly uh, right. car parts, watch bands, tennis shoes, clothes. That's just every week. So, um, but we actually got our Christmas lights put on our house, what, October 26th? Yes. And I went out of town to a conference <laughs> on that day. So for two days, our Christmas lights were on, on October 26th and 27th, because you couldn't find the switch to turn them off. Well, I thought we were waiting on a timer okay. for them to come to on come back. automatically. And I didn't realize that they had connected them to a switch. Yeah. And the uh, they were plugged into like the soffits. Is that what you call it? Yep. They were plugged. Uh, and so it, I would have had to get a ladder to unplug them. So well, we don't have not, that ladder to that go that That would not high. have worked. Yeah. So the Dillons have been ready for Christmas for a while now. Uh, we, we seem to decorate a little bit soon already just because we love the season, the reason behind the season and everything like that. So, And we also don't host Thanksgiving. So it yeah. makes it a lot easier that we are not hosting Thanksgiving. So it doesn't necessarily matter when we put up our Christmas. Um, and then where we do have Thanksgiving together, we put up the Christmas decorations as soon as lunch is over um, for my grandma. And so that that works out nicely yeah. that we we get to decorate for Christmas a couple times. So so my gift's going to be easy because yeah, I buy my gifts all year long. So And, and we think that everybody's going to be in the same place uh, by the time that rolls around. What about you for you? Um, I don't necessarily like things. So that will be probably hard to figure out what I want for Christmas. Um, probably another trip altogether. <laughs> gotcha. Probably just traveling to wherever Kinley and Avery are going in the next year. Um, a swim meet. The swim meets, uh, college visits, or in college and us actually going to visit someone who lives there. So yeah. uh, probably travel. My Christmas is easy. Travel. Well, it's easy. Yeah. So, um, but good. Well, I think that can be achieved um, pretty easily. So wanted to talk through on the conversation today, a topic of change management. So change is inevitable as much as I hate it and I don't want it to happen. Change is inevitable. So wanting to talk through what does it look like to make a successful change or a successful transition? How do you make that possible? Especially when it's not a change for one person, that it's a change for a team. So let's say a change for the business, the accounting firm, the change for 
a different organization maybe that you're in. How do you make that successful for all parties involved? Yeah, um, I love change, by the way. Uh, I love change clothes. I love uh, to change direction in businesses a little bit too much. Um, so this will be yin and yang. Um, and then I'm also coming off of, I was fortunate enough to speak uh, at Intuit QuickBooks Connect on um, leading change management in a legacy CPA firm. I was part of a panel. Um, even preparing for that, that's um, just my sweet spot. I love change. I love being uh, a part of that and seeing the different aspects. I feel like some of that's been navigated successfully, some not. And either way, you just smile and move forward. So um, the other piece that I thought I brought to the table was real world examples of change uh, versus theory. I think so much theory exists in our world today. So when I speak about change, it's because I've lived it and I've lived the pain or the pleasure, uh, depending on the side of the change that has been gone through. So I think the main piece with change management is you have to start from a clear vision and mission. That has to be... Well, before you even get there, because I feel like I need to bring you down just a notch. Okay. Because I feel like this is like we're on opposing sides. No, no. <laughs> you love change and I don't like change. I actually do kind of like change. I like to start new things. <laughs> and so... I hate new I, things. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like to start like new routines and new habits and new processes, but they're things that like I've decided on and I know pretty much exactly how I want them to go and exactly what I want them to look like. So, and they were my idea. So that's when I actually do like change um, is probably when I'm like hundred percent in control of that. So what are some times because you don't love all change. No, I like you just said it. You like it whenever <laughs> change is your your choice. Your so, idea and you're in control and you know what the future looks like yeah. after that change. Which never happens. So <laughs> well, you think you know. Yeah. Yeah. So um the best thing is if you own that change like it was your idea. Oh, which yes. I am oh, yes. super uh at. And so I think that's the piece where um your question was, how do I navigate change when it's not my idea? When it's not your idea, do you still love change? Um, not as much, <laughs> right? And so I think that's the other piece where those conversations, regardless of the topic, if if it's a big change and you're a third party to the decision to make the change, that's a little bit harder. So it's you have to get over that and then celebrate the change, I guess, is, um, you know, what could come on the other side of all this and see the fruit versus the work that goes into planting the tree. So I think that's a little bit of the like mindset and the perspective to think about when we talk through successful change management is, okay, we need to think about the times when either change was thrown at us, not our decision, okay. not in our control. Um, and what made adopting or adapting to that change easier? Because when it's your own idea, <laughs> that's pretty easy to do. Sometimes you regret saying, I want to do this. Maybe it's a health initiative or something like that. And you're like, eh, I don't want to do that anymore. Um, but other times it's something so much bigger that impacts the lives of many, many people, you know, that that impact is just multiplied 
out beyond the walls of whoever decided that that yeah. was the change that needed to be made. So when we're talking today through this conversation, we'll kind of take it through that lens of how do we make this successful for all parties involved, especially the ones who didn't have yeah. the majority of control over No, that's that's good. That's a good reminder. So I think the main thing is speaking to the leaders that initiate change. And really a team aspect um, is where I would go with today. And so leading change management with a team, clear vision and mission are that number one. I, I started to go down that path regardless, but um, even if you're the team member, if you know the clear vision and mission and how this change applies to that, you're going to be able to buy in to the change and hopefully invest in the change a little bit more, be more adaptive than if it is not aligning or you don't know the vision and mission of the organization or the family or whatever you want to throw out there. So as a leader, vision and mission come first. Vision, mission, values, your why, whatever you want to boil that down to. If you are able to reiterate that time and time again and can see this change or even before you make the decision of the change, whether it's software or team structure or whatever we're talking about, how does this apply to the long-term vision and mission? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is it aligned? Because if the team, if the people impacted are also aligned with the vision and mission, it makes it so much easier for them to get on board, to buy in, to say yes. If they're not aligned, then maybe that's not the right change that needs to be made, or maybe it makes the decision to part ways that much easier because you see, okay, this is related to the mission and vision, but I'm no longer aligned or I was never aligned. I didn't really know what it was. And now that I know, that's not the right fit. So it makes that decision of either a yes or a no much easier. And then you don't have people wavering. I think that's where problems come in is where people are wavering and there's misunderstanding and uncertainty in that space. Yeah. So, um, clear vision and mission, kind of like that comment we made a while back where it'd be polarizing, yeah. where you want a hundred percent on either side. Um, and if it can be real clear, uh, moving forward. So either way, if you're the leader or the team, the next piece is over-communicate. Um, communication is going to be key with any change management, um, at least for it to be successful. And so even if you don't know all of the answers, saying you don't know all of the answers and asking for either grace or input, I think that goes a long way, even though it's uncomfortable as a leader, to let people know where you stand. Now, you can't say that about everything, but you can whenever there's no communication. It's very clear that people start to question your leadership and the change itself. So if you can communicate 80%, 90% of what you feel um, can be communicated, maybe hold back the 10% that you're really uncertain about because you don't want to build uncertainty into people's mind as well. But if you are very confident, there's ways to communicate in a very graceful manner to where this is just a sandbox, you know, do disclaimers, whatever that is, but you can invite people into those conversations and they're going to be more bought in than if you just completely did not communicate. 
Yeah, absolutely. It reminds me of we were meeting with our leadership team within DBA um, just a few weeks back, and uh, I need Elena with us right now because she said it really well of we need to communicate to our team how it how it impacts them. Like, what does this mean for me? What does this mean going forward? I don't remember what she said, but it was really boiling it down to how does it impact each individual person? Like, how does it impact the organization as a whole? How does it impact the individual person? And then what does that mean going forward? Like, what does that mean for them going forward? And then how can they help, you know, move the change forward? How can they help make progress? What is their part in it? So I think I think it was, what is this change? What is this change not? Right? However that is said, yeah. like, what does this not mean? And then how does this impact me? Yeah. So those were the three things, like what is changing? What is not changing? And how does this impact me? Yeah. So at every level, at every like that level. has to be communicated at every level to every individual. And sometimes that's easier to do when you have like roles or like responsibilities, like positions. You don't have to do that one by one. You can do that in a group. But if people have significantly different roles and responsibilities, then it probably needs to happen one time to everybody. What is it and what is it not? And then it needs to happen at each group, again, what is it? What is it not? Because we want to over-communicate. And then how does this apply to me? How does this directly impact me on a daily basis a year from now? That might be all you can predict out. Yeah. And I think communication is two-way. And I think you have to give space for feedback. You have to give pause. You have to be quiet. You have two ears, one mouth for a reason. And so I think those are the things to keep in mind anytime you have change as part of a rollout. And um, I was a part of an organization where they were going through big change, big directional change, and uh, the leader wasn't wasn't the best at communicating the change. And an example of this was as they were communicating change to an organization of dozens of people, they were talking to people. They were initiating the change and just speaking out almost like a bullhorn to the point where they had a pop-up on their, on their zoom call and they were just looking at themselves in the camera or something. They weren't able to read the room. They didn't ask for any feedback to where someone had to actually stop them and say, Hey, you got a pop-up on your camera. Like, please show the rest of the presentation. So in that you need to remember that you're talking to others like you, you are you are actually communicating with not talking to and how is that best received that change and so much of the time it's going to be more received whether it's in a smaller group setting or in a bigger group setting as long as there's feedback two-way communication yeah and then after over communicating, I think incremental change as far as changing things in steps, making sure that that change has transitioned well, and then the next change, and then the next change. These might be big changes. They might be very uh, impactful, <laughs> either negatively or positively, but sometimes it's better for the direction, if you have clear vision and mission, 
if you have clear goals and what you want to do, sometimes you have to rip the Band-Aid and just do it. And then you give that some space to let that pain go away, to let everything transition smoothly, and then you and then you do the next thing. And so while you you want to communicate all that's happening, you do it in maybe smaller steps that people are aware of, that they know and they're confident in the roadmap or the plan going forward. They know what the future is bringing, but they also have time to adopt to the change that's happening. Yeah, and I would say uncertainty kills progress. And um, if you're uncertain during the change, don't roll out the change, you know, right? Um, The best change is done in a swift manner. And that way both parties can move forward. That way the new software can be stopped at a certain point and the new software can be rolled out. Uh, Whatever that is, new team members, old team members coming and going, whatever that is, I think swiftness is key. And that allows people to, if they are hurt in the process, to heal and move forward that much sooner. And you think about a surgeon, a clean cut is so much easier to heal than a jagged Mm -hmm. cut. Um, So the last piece on change management and you said it best, like some of these people are going to be negatively impacted. Some people are going to be positive, positively impacted. Um, with any change management, you have to be empathetic. And with that empathy, you have to be able as a leader to put yourself in the shoes of the person that is on the other side of the change. That one is either implementing the software, that's getting the note that their job or their role is changing, that they don't have a role maybe. Um, and so with that, we are called, like you and I, are called to support a much smaller organization and corporations in, in the in the world, right? Yeah. And so we don't see people as numbers. We see people for who they are and the families that they represent. So with that, we know what empathy should be. And as, as a leader, we would just encourage you, if you're listening to this, to also be empathetic anytime that change comes because much like you started the conversation, like I'm all about change when it's my decision. But if it's not my decision and I'm going to have to live through some hardship because of the change, there's going to be some feelings. And being empathetic um, during that is going to help bridge the relationship for future success. What do you think is the best way to gain empathy, to gain another's perspective on something? So I think it is going in with no agenda, which is hard for me. A lot of times I'm trying to sell something to somebody uh, internally, externally, whatever. And I think it's communication. I think it's not having your phone, your computer, your laptop up and dedicating time to that person, asking really good questions. So maybe you go in with a post-it note of three open-ended questions to where just allowing them to talk and you have kind of facilitation of that conversation. But I think it's it's just having a relationship with somebody to become empathetic and to know where they're at. You're never going to be able to put yourself in someone's shoes solely. And that's where um, those are the little techniques I think you can do. What, what about you? What do you think? I think that's, yeah, no, I think that's exactly it, that you have to, you have to talk with people. So whether it's a sampling of people or talking with every person, um, but it's real easy to even for just you and I, 
to talk through something. Um, I'm fairly good at looking at it from all different perspectives when you're trying to sell me on something and you know, you know, you know, forward a year down the road, two years down the road, why this is a good idea. I'm thinking about today and what pain this is going to cause. And I can think about it from different angles, but even with the two of us, we're lacking in what other people are going to feel what other people think. We can open it up to our leadership team if we're talking about at DBA. And that gives us a few more perspectives, but still not every. And so I think it's just so important that how you deliver change, how you deliver like the news or the rollout is so important that it's coming from people who have relationships with those people. So when we're talking about direct impacts, that those doors of communication are open and probably scheduled. So as soon as it's rolled out, maybe as a whole group, then the communication doors are already set to immediately meet with each of those positions in the organization to talk through. What does that look like? How does that impact them? And then receive feedback. Because really, there can be little tweaks made if needed. There can be adjustments. There can be things done, um, even if it's like a one-off person that needs some kind of modification or something to what's happening. Um, That's pretty easy to be done. Whereas sometimes there's just no communication that it ends up being just like a huge blow up that was never needed in the first place. Yeah, so uh, you're spot on. Um, And with that, I think the, the main things are change is inevitable. <laughs> no one stays the same. Uh, no organization stays the same. No body stays the same. So what we've seen is clear vision and mission, over-communicate and be empathetic are what's going to at least allow the change to be a little bit more successful than if those three elements were not present at all. Absolutely. Yeah, this has right. been a good conversation. All right, well, Merry Christmas. Thanks for hanging with us to the end of another episode. Leave us a review with your thoughts, comments, and feedback on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. Join us again next week for another great conversation.